Hi, you're listening to Magecast, the ensemble podcast by the well-read mage and a cast of mages. Each episode, I sit down with my rotating panel of guests to have some civil discourse about a single game. We're a group of games writers dedicated to long-form content and critique. You can find us on WordPress at thewellreadmage.com, on Twitter at thewellreadmage, and on YouTube. Crowdfunding support makes projects like Magecast possible. If you enjoy our work, written or otherwise, you can check out our Patreon campaign at patreon.com forward slash thewellreadmage for more information on exclusives, rewards, and our vision for a future of better games writing and a friendlier gaming community. Links are in the description. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, and share MageCast with your fellow adventurers. Leave us a review, too. Oh, and now let's start the show. Hey, welcome to MageCast. This is the well-read mage, a.k.a. Moses the Hammer Norton. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about an exceptional cult classic. Uh, what I would consider the definition of a cult classic. Um, it is a game that's very near and dear to so many hearts. Uh, but to introduce that game, I've first got to introduce two very special guests that I have joining me today. Uh, it's kind of funny because sometimes I'll start this podcast um, before the recording by doing like a joke, like this is jazz radio, like, um, good morning and welcome to TWRM Jazz. And today we're going to be talking to Coffee and jazz incarnate which is actually pretty cool so i think doubly cool because we've got both of you guys we have the hyperactive coffee mage and also the abxy mage so we'll have you guys introduce yourselves hyper if you want to go first oh yeah sure for for, for sure so uh my name is ryan I am the hyperactive coffee mage, and for everyone's information, yes, I just drank 20 ounces of coffee just now, just before starting, so I am lit. I <laughs> <laughs> is lit. I've never heard lit used in the context of coffee drinking, but... You're going to hear it a lot from me, buddy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, how much coffee do you drink on average? Mm, if I had to put it into cups, probably about eight. That's a lot of cups. Yeah, well... Throughout the whole day or just in the morning? Oh, just well, six cups in the morning, and then if I'm, if I'm really feeling antsy, maybe another two out in, in the afternoon. Dang. I used to do that, and I felt like I was flying. Um, <laughs> but more appropriately to this uh, video game-themed podcast, what are you playing right now? Um, so, uh, in bed, I'm playing Octopath Traveler, because that's the only time I'm able to get it get any of the game in and i just recently started playing final fantasy 7 on the ps4 and oh nice yeah it's it's so different from what i remember i mean the graphics and everything are the same but a lot of the mechanics have changed and i'm really surprised at it so yeah <laughs> huh. uh, that's cool i've tried to play octopath traveler in bed and i've fallen asleep like a <laughs> half a dozen times um, I don't ever fall asleep playing video games, but that game is so beautiful and so relaxing that just I'm out. <laughs> uh, the music alone is just so phenomenal. Yeah, yeah very just, good. Well, so relaxing. yeah. Now we'll have to do an Octopath episode eventually. Oh, once, you know it. 
Yeah, once we actually complete this thing. So. <laughs> I'm already pretty much done the game as it is, so I, anytime you want to start, I can go and start. <laughs> oh, nice. I've only... Um, I think I've got Ulbrich left to recruit, and I've only done the first chapters for each character. Mm. Um, so I've got a ways to go still. Um, but yeah, so my next guest is... None other than the ABXY mage, if you'd like to introduce yourself, sir. Yeah, uh, my name is Brent. I am the ABXY mage. Uh, and I just happened to be listening to Miles Davis when you asked me if I was interested in recording this today. Nice. Yes, I was listening to some of that this morning as well when I was writing down the notes for this podcast. So thank you for that music, sir. You are a music uh, fan, wouldn't you say? I would. <laughs> what's some of your favorite? <laughs> what's some of your favorite music? Uh, certainly, jazz is the top. I listen to jazz more than anything else. Uh, more specifically, bop, bop-related subgenres of jazz. Um, oh yeah. I, I also like soul, uh, rock and roll. You know, typical stuff, I guess. Okay. Well, good. And I always appreciate you sharing the jazz on Twitter. That. Like brightens my my dark dark days. Okay, and so Brent, what uh, what games are you playing right now? Uh, I'm currently playing Tomb Raider two. Uh, oh, how's that going? <laughs> just dandy. That's <laughs> my daily chore. Now remember, that's for, uh... <laughs> now remember too. I I'd mentioned to you guys. Let's not use any language on this podcast, but gently. <laughs> In the kindest tones, how would you describe your experience thus far? Slightly better than my experience with the first one, but almost okay. unnoticeably. Ah, oh, wow! Uh, and this, you're doing this, uh, um, Brent. You're doing this for uh, Jonesy's, uh, Jonesy's, uh, what's it called? Collaboration thing, right? Yep, that is correct. Ah, uh, yeah. How's progress on that? Uh, well, I had never played any of the Tomb Raider games before when I signed up for that. <clears throat> so I recently played the first Tomb Raider for the original PlayStation a couple months ago. Wrote a review for that on the Well-Read Mage. Now I'm playing the second Tomb Raider on my Mac. Uh, I'm about halfway through it right now. Uh, I already know exactly what I want to say about it, so once I'm done, I anticipate the article taking one, maybe two days to complete. Nice. Nice. I love those articles that go real quick, that just flow from your fingertips. With fury or with passion, doesn't matter. It's just great. Uh, But today, gentlemen, we're going to be talking about uh, Earthbound. Earthbound. Today's episode is entitled Fuzzy Pickles. I thought that would be appropriate, considering it's like... Fuzzy Pickles. (laughs) Yeah, maybe the most iconic line from the game. uh, In a game that's pretty dang iconic. So, Earthbound was released in 1994, developed by Ape and HAL Laboratory. Published, of course, by Nintendo. Uh, It's also known as Mother 2, part of the Mother series. We'll probably touch a little bit on the Mother series um, later on. Um, But I wanted to open up by talking about our personal experiences with this game. Um, Right off the bat, and to get to some of the questions we got on Twitter, um, and this, you know how some people's names on Twitter 
like I'm like I don't know how to pronounce this because it has numbers in it. I'm just gonna say Steve three one or three L gaming asked when and how did you first hear about Earthbound? So um, maybe if one of you guys wants to talk about their first experience with this game, do you remember when you got it? Do you remember when you first played it? Uh, you know, I'll, yeah, I'll start first. Why not? Um, so for me, uh, me and my brother, uh, my brother and I, sorry, uh, we first got introduced to the game uh, through Smash Bros. By, <laughs> oddly enough, because uh, Ness was one of the was one of the uh, extra characters in the game, and we're like, wait, who is this Ness character? Uh, I've never heard of him before. My brother asked me, he's like, well, I don't know either. So uh, we looked it up. Uh, discovered that he is from this game called Earthbound, and you know we both and we both ended up emulating it. I know, very illegal. But um, <laughs> <laughs> we both ended up emulating it, and we played the game. And you know, honestly, to be honest, he's played it a lot more than I have. So, um, but yeah, we both we both went through the story. We both went through it, and you know we're just like, wow, this is really real. This is completely unreal. Uh, Far beyond any other game that we've uh, we both played, and we're both hardcore RPG enthusiasts, and mm. yeah, it was just uh, it's just such a such a bizarre but such a fun game at the same time too, yeah. and, and incredibly disturbing, like especially at the end. I mean, we'll we'll go into that later, but man, yes, that end. <laughs> yeah, it is it is pretty disturbing, and they make a lot of disturbing games now, but mm-hmm. for the mid '90s. Especially for the 16-bit era, you're like this game is nightmare fuel at some points. Some points. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, um, and we'll get to that too. But uh, so obviously referring to the last boss fight. But yes. um, another really disturbing part was um, when uh, I don't want to say his name because it's so hilarious, and I was going to make a joke later. But the martial arts kid. Uh, when he's uh, meditating and his uh, his uh, instructor like appears to him as an apparition and like removes his ears and his his legs and all this stuff, and I was just like, it's text only, so it's not like you're seeing it happen. But like dismembering somebody in a, in a vision is pretty disturbing. Um, mm. But what about you, ABXY? Uh, your first experiences. Um, my cousin actually got the game for Christmas. I had never heard of it, uh, and I was good friends with him. I used to go over to his house all the time and was hooked immediately. I can remember staying up literally all night playing, getting through the department store. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard game to put down, uh, especially at some points. But um, for me, I've I've still got my original... Uh, cartridge here. I don't remember when I got it. Um, my childhood is kind of a blur at some points. But I remember it was probably a gift because I remember playing it and being disappointed uh, at first because it's not set in a medieval high fantasy land. It's it's not Final Fantasy. It's not Breath of Fire. It's not Dragon Quest dragon warrior it's not um you know soul blazer or illusion of gaia it's none of those things it's so you'd very already played you'd already played all of those games before not all of those games no i knew a lot of them by reputation um though i knew dragon quest even even back then by reputation 
um, from a lot of friends. I had a lot of Japanese friends growing up, so they were playing some of the the Japanese only games. Um, and I was very envious because I could not read Japanese. <laughs> I tried to by going to the library, uh, borrowing some books to learn Japanese. And after five minutes, I'm like, I ah, forget it. I got <laughs> that's that's too hard for ten or twelve year old or fifteen year old me, however old I was at the time. Um, but so I like how this is kind of bridging into our next subject, where we want to talk about the context of Earthbound set into uh, the broader scale of JRPGs, especially in the time. Um, I would say even since Earthbound, Earthbound still remains a fairly unique, uh, very unique RPG, JRPG, especially. So I listed off a couple of things. Final Fantasy, uh, Breath of Fire, Dragon Quest, Soul Blazer was a game I, I liked at the time, um, around about the 90s, and... Uh, Earthbound, then you know you start it and you're like, "Whoa, this is a kid in, you know, some weird parody of America." Um, it's just very real life. So, what are some 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 distinctives for Earthbound when you when you think about it that make it stand apart from the wider context of JRPGs? Well, definitely that it takes place in a more modern setting, like you mentioned. It, it wasn't in the typical castle, knights, wizards type setting. Uh, You mentioned that maybe was a reason that it was disappointing for you at first, but I think when I played Earthbound the first time, Final Fantasy IV might have been the only other RPG I had played. Mm. Mm -hmm. So even though I did have a preference for the swords and sorcerers style of RPG, I wasn't that accustomed to it yeah do you feel that's still a barrier for people today um trying to go back and play some retro games earthbound doesn't necessarily if they haven't played it before doesn't necessarily jump out at you because of its its real world setting i wouldn't think so i would say i mean especially with how popular certain games like the persona games have gotten I know that's not a real-world setting, but, you know, it's closer, obviously, um, parts of it in certain games. But I think people would be more accepting of that now. I don't think people are so uh, tied to the the medieval theme mm. for RPGs anymore. Yeah, we have Skyrim now. Hugely, hugely popular. But, like you pointed out, I like that. I haven't thought of that. You have games like Persona. Um, is Yakuza? I don't know why that popped in my head. Is Yakuza an RPG? I think it's no more idea. of an action. Isn't it more of an action RPG? Or like a, an action game with slum slight RPG elements into it? I'm not yeah, sure. I don't know. I haven't really, really played that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point being, there are uh, more diverse experiences in games today. Like po- Pokemon's a good example. I guess oh, Pokemon's yeah, Pokemon. considered an RPG, right? And that yeah. takes place in a more modern inspired setting, certainly. Right, exactly. That is a good point. Uh, even um, if you look at uh, if you look at Final Fantasy X as well too, uh, it's you know, it's fairly futuristic of course, yes, but it has a lot of more of the it has less of the fantasy medieval 
type of elements and more of the futuristic hypertech kind of right. elements. Even Final yeah. Fantasy Final Fan- too. I just yeah, Final. I was just gonna say Final Fantasy as a series kind of transitioned from the medieval theme into more modern industrialized settings. Yeah. I think, um, well, I wonder if we're kind of coming full circle, and this is not a Final Fantasy podcast, but it's just a fascinating subject. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I wonder if we're coming full circle, because Final Fantasy, nobody can argue, started off very high fantasy. And then when you get to 7 and 6, it sort of takes on this uh, quasi-science fantasy, um, steampunkish sort of a thing. Um, nine is sort of a send off to the high fantasy era, but then, like you said, ten um, is very futuristic. Uh, Thirteen, even more so, um, with the MMOs, I think, being more of a throwback to the high fantasy as well. Um, right. But then, fifteen, Final Fantasy fifteen is very much real world with some futuristic elements. You drive a car and it flies. What's yes. more real world futuristic? Yeah. <laughs> Even the yeah. flight mechanics are realistic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even your friends are realistically uh, depressing. Anyways, so... <laughs> I have to take a shot. This is going to be a running gag. I have to take a shot of that game every single episode. Um, another distinctive for Earthbound that I really adore about this game is its humor and its wit. Um, this is probably one of the funniest games I've ever played. Um, without, without sort of being a a dad joke kind of a game, you know what I mean? Like some a lot of games, if they're going to use humor, it'll be like dad jokes, and you're just like that's like remotely funny. But Lame. yeah, <laughs> but Earthbound has things that are so surreal, um, like the pencil eraser eraser. You remember that? Yeah, very very vaguely. Yeah, it's, you're oh, walking through. So <laughs> yeah, you're you're walking through a forest, and you literally walk up to a giant silver pencil that's blocking your way, and it says something like, "For some reason, there's a giant statue of a pencil blocking your way," and you're like, "Okay." So, in order to erase that pencil, you need a pencil eraser item, but then later on, you find an eraser that's blocking your way, so you need an eraser eraser. And, yeah, I was just like, how did they even... Like, where does that thought come from to do stuff like that? Magic tarts? <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I've always found this uh, a very witty game. Um, and that's one of the... One of its strengths, I think. What do you guys think about that? Um, I, per- I totally agree. The, the humor is just so dry and so cutting and just I, I'm thinking about it right now as we as we were speaking and I'm just I'm resisting the urge to crack up every single time I mean <laughs> my brother and I have running jokes about this game to, to this day it's <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry I'm sorry it's it's just it's just too funny especially the, the especially the rampant drug use <laughs> I just find it just so so I mean, it's it's really bad in the sense that you know, you know, kids don't do drugs, and again, kids don't do drugs. But it's just in, in the context of the game, it's just, it's just too funny. 
Well, like there's you get a dog. Really, really high. <laughs> there's a dog right outside of the drugstore, um, that has like these crazy wide eyes, and it's just like, hey, you got to go get you some. And you're like, what? What am I playing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a bizarre game in that sense. Um, another thing that just popped in my head. You guys remember in in one at um, the first town that you start the game off in, there was a house like a shack that you could buy next to um, this cliff and you yeah. had to save up you remember that yeah okay yeah. Uh, uh, you want to explain that for me so I'm not talking so much <laughs> no not really <laughs> okay <laughs> alright you twisted my arm I'll do it so um, there's yeah there's I'll that house you. on a oh, what's that I'll support you okay thanks <laughs> um, there's that house on a cliff uh, and it's super expensive right I can't remember off the top of my head how much money it costs but it's super expensive and you're just like yeah this is like a vacation home next to the ocean and all these things and then you finally save up enough money to buy it and you go inside and it's literally just like a a rundown shack where the whole back of the house is gone and it's just like the view is incredible but like there's no back wall it's just trashed with like a dumpy bed inside and it's like the game is laughing at you Because you sort of, I mean, that's like an RPG thing. Like, oh, you got optional content you could save up all this money for. And then you do, but in this game, it's just a joke. You know, and you're like, well, I spent all that money for nothing. Is it also (laughs) only accessible up until a certain point? Ooh, I don't remember that. I don't know. That's a good question for the internet. Yes, I wish I could remember Nah, I, I I don't remember particularly. I mean, and, and I know too. I only did that once in all the multiple playthroughs that I've done, because you know well, why, why would you do it, it a second? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Why do it more than once? Um, That's actually new. I never knew about that one. To be honest, the 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 fact that you can buy a shack in one it's I something think crazy like seventy five thousand yeah. or something. Yeah, like that. it was a lot of money. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't get it right at the beginning of the game. It was a joke that you you had to come back to appreciate. I don't remember if there was anything in it that was at all remotely valuable, but maybe. Who knows? Um, another distinctive from this game is it uses uh, psychic powers instead of magic. All right, so what are some other distinctives for Earthbound? Uh, I think it addresses religion in a very interesting way. I know uh, it's... Religion makes a lot of appearances, especially in JRPGs, <clears throat> be it through temples or churches or priests when they uh, games that have job classes. Uh, but Earthbound has, for one, a cult uh, that brainwashes people. Happy Happy Village, one of my favorite parts of the game. Uh, right, that's a pretty unforgettable part of the game. And then it also, you know, in the final battle prayer plays a big part in the final battle yes so spoilers territory but come on this game's been out for multiple decades now (laughs) so go ahead and uh explain that that if you would that final confrontation how uh praying praying sort of vanquishes the foe Uh, i mean that's exactly it uh your battle moves that you've used throughout the entire game are useless against the final boss and it's only paula's power of prayer that finally ends up weakening the enemy enough for you to be able to defeat it 
and it breaks the fourth wall too, right? It is, uh, you know, she calls out to all these NPCs. And then lastly, I think it was lastly, she calls out to you, the player. And uh, that's a striking moment too, uh, that I remember pretty consistently. I'm um, just being like, whoa, me? It knows I'm <laughs> playing the game? <laughs> when I was young, I wasn't too familiar with like fourth wall breaking stuff. So I thought that was pretty amazing. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was definitely something that uh, I didn't expect. Well, there were there were other parts earlier in the game that broke the fourth wall too. There's a there's an NPC somewhere else that says something about sitting around playing Nintendo games all day. Right. Ooh, was that Apple Kid? Maybe mm, I don't. I don't remember. remember. There is a lot of lovable NPCs, but we'll get to that in a minute. What I want to talk about next is sort of just a um, an overhead view of the story, um, generally speaking. We're not going to be able to get into every detail. This is quite a long game. Um, but uh, Ryan, Hyper, Coffee, Mage, I was wondering if you would uh, start us off on that. Brent and I will kind of help you out. Um, and we'll see how far we can kind of get in through the story again, very overhead, um, very, very much just touching on the, the main points of the game. If you would. Oh, sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Hold on a second. <clears throat> in a world. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Seriously. Uh, so the game starts off with, um, Ness, uh, the main character in his room, um, all of a sudden, a uh, meteor strikes nearby his home in Owenet, in the um, American-esque land of Eagle Land. So he goes out to investigate and suddenly runs into his next-door neighbor, uh, this kid named Pokey. Pokey. What a memorable and, character. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. We'll, yeah, again, we'll be talking more about him soon enough. But um, So he meets Pokey. Pokey tells him that he can't find his brother, whose name is Picky. Very strange names for kids. Pokey, Picky. Anyways, uh, so they investigate. The, they go up, investigate the meteor, and they encounter a strange bee-like creature who tells them that he's apparently from the future in which an alien life form has enslaved the entire planet. So he travels back into time to, with the hopes to, you know, prevent that from happening. So, from there, they travel back to Nessa's house where they encounter one of the strange aliens, uh, one of the strange aliens' uh, minions, a Starman, a very stable character yeah. in the uh, in the Earthbound in the Mother series. Yeah, and on the cover and of the of the game as well. Yes, and, and on the cover of the game as well. So they defeat the, so Ness and the bee whose name is Buzz Buzz. Thanks, thanks, little bro, for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> so Ness and Buzz Buzz defeat the Starman, and the, the the little bee dude tells Ness that you know, I think it's all up to you. You're gonna have to save the world. Oh, and fun fact: the the bee apparently dies by um, Pinky's mom swatting it with a fly swatter. <laughs> which is a very a hilarious way to to take out someone so powerful. Because <laughs> at that at that at that point in the game, it was it was very 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 powerful. But yeah, so 
So BuzzBuzz gives Ness uh, a, an item called the Soundstone and instructs him to go to eight sanctuaries around, uh, around the world and record eight melodies to which, he would, to which Ness would use to defeat the ultimate enemy whose name is, uh, I, guess, I think the pronunciation is Gygus? Yeah, I can't help I'm you with that, that officially. Right? I've always said Gigas because I'm lazy to pronounce Gygus. Uh, how do you say it, Brent? Gygus. Gygus. So I'm the odd man out on that yep. one. Yep. Odd man out on that one. Yeah. So, right. So going on to the story, uh, Ness goes around the land, goes around each of the towns. You know, encounters a sanctuary here. Uh, at one point, he ends up in the Happy Happy Village. Uh, ABXY's favorite place <laughs> and meets uh one of the first characters uh paula who shares his you know psychokinetic uh psi energy powers so going through there they um i think it was it in three side where there was the where there were zombies right or three sort of undead thing three yeah three was Reed. so they go so from one et to tucson and yeah. and then they go to uh which is in arizona tucson um, and then they yeah. go to – that was a joke, guys. Come on. <laughs> and then they go to uh, <laughs> Threed, right? And that was where the zombies were. Yep. And then they get captured and then somehow – I think Paul – is it where that place where Paula prays? And then Jeff, uh, the scientist, uh, Dr. Andronidas' son. Is that how he's saying Dr. Andronidas? I don't remember his, his dad's name now. But he was in Winters, right? Yeah. He hears their prayers comes all the way to to three busts them out and you know from there they continue the story mm-hmm. uh, then let's see so from three they go to four side is it four, four side i'm pretty right? sure yeah. that's after they yeah. go through the desert yeah i said three side i was thinking yeah they have to go through the desert right yes and they go through the desert yeah dry dry desert is that what it's called yeah with some of the best NPCs in the whole game, the <laughs> the uh, gosh, what were their names? It was uh, the Runaway Five, Pincho, right? Pincho, no, the uh, the three guys, the three slot machine guys, Pincho, Poncho, and Thomas Jefferson. Oh yeah, right? yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I think that was their names. I was just like, that's brilliance right there. Like, like you talk to the first brother, and he's like, I'm Big Brother Poncho, and talk to the second guy, I'm Little Brother Pincho. And you're like, well, the third guy's name is Poncho. And then it's like Tomas Jefferson. You're like, that's funny. That's really funny. Because humor is all about um, subverting expectations. And that's the entire game of Earthbound is subverting expectations. Exactly. You remember there's that there's that one side quest in the desert where you have to find that contact? <laughs> yes. <laughs> find somebody's contact lens in the desert, yeah. Well, that's like finding a needle in a haystack. <laughs> Yes, exactly, <laughs> proverbially. So they get to Foresight. Um, there's that sort of illusory world, right, that they go to Moonside, where everybody talks weird. Yeah. Um, That's after you meet the statue the first time, right? Yes. Uh, no, you meet it the first time in a happy, happy village. Okay. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what was the name of that statue? Is it the Manny Manny statue? Hey, I think so. Um, I should probably get Wikipedia back out. I'm getting out right now. I'm getting out right now. I don't think it's going to have it in there. M A N I, maybe. Hmm. I don't know. 
But anyway, regardless, from there, apparently they go to my favorite place in the entire game, which is the resort village of Summers. Um, I I grew up next to the beach, so that was a very uh, special place for me. Um, after that, they meet the fourth character. Do you remember who that was? Ah, Pooh. Pooh. How of could anybody forget? <laughs> my favorite. I just love Pooh. Pooh is so awesome. Um, he's the the martial arts kid. Yeah, Pooh, Pooh. Every just you get just, out of your system. Get out of your system. Ryan, get out of your system. Pooh, 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 Pooh. Poo. There you go. All right. Okay. Um, I'm good. Is he is he also a kid? I always assumed he was. He was a prince, right? Yeah, he's a of prince. Dalam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I assumed he was a kid. Uh, one thing I want to I want to touch back. Um, there is another important area that we we kind of skipped over, and that's the the Saturn Village. Where they meet the Mr. Saturns. That's that's a little bit. I think it's right before they head to Summers. So like, in yeah. Between... Has there ever been anything as iconic as Mr. Saturn? Yep. Boing. Yeah. Boing. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Mr. Saturn is pretty, pretty bizarre. They they have their own unique fonts and everything too. Yeah. No, that was pretty mind-boggling. Yeah. So, um, so they they. The, the four of them are united. Mm-hmm. Um, they they go to Dalam, right? And then from there, you kind of hit uh, another big desert, right? Uh, Scar- Scarabah. Um, oh, yes. yes. Yeah. The Egyptian thing where the pyramid. Yeah, where the pyramid. Right. Right. Yeah. And the giant guy in the huge stone... Um, the huge stone man. I can't remember the names of all these things. The guy who is the maze? Yes. That was bizarre, too. Um, yeah. And then after that, you hit the Deep Darkness Swamp. Um, you go through a, a, the Tenda Village. And then I think that about wraps up, like, sort of the exploring the world kind of a thing. Right. I mean, you hit, like, a, the prehistoric um, area where it's really zoomed out and you fight giant dinosaurs. Um, but that's taking you pretty near the end of the game. Right. So... What happens? So let's yeah, because this is again, it's an overview. It's all it's okay to gloss. So what what happens in the end? How do they have to confront Gygus? Well, prior to so again, the entire premise of the game is to go around to each of these eight sanctuaries and um, you know record the melodies. So at the at the very final sanctuary, where uh, which is in the I think it's a volcano in that same dinosaur. Um, area, right? The sounds, the sound zone gets filled up, and then Ness goes unconscious, and he enters a realm within his mind called Matchcan. And mm-hmm. from there, like again, I think Matchcan is a is a pretty staple, uh, staple area in the Earthbound series. I think it was also in Mother One, and then in oh, Mother I didn't two. know that. Yeah, uh, I actually hate that yeah, area. I think it is. Yeah. I hate that place so bad. It was so hard. The fights in there are really hard. Yeah, they're ridiculous. And, yeah. It's, it's really confusing, too. It is, yeah. Well, and if, if I mean, you're just solo Ness. If you're not leveled up, have fun with that. <laughs> That's a well, hard area. Yeah, but if you're not leveled up there, by the time you're done with it, oof, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's insane what happens, actually, in, in that mindscape. Because this is all happening in Ness's head. Right, so mm-hmm. he goes through. He goes through Magic Camp. Goes from like you know this bizarre, nice 
like light looking area where everything is nice and fun and then it subtly transitions into a more darker more sinister environment and then mm-hmm. right when he meets right when he gets to the end he meets a he you know meets a statue that looks exactly like the I think it was the Mai Mai statue that's what it was called right mm-hmm. the one in the, the one in yeah. four side and yeah. that represents all of Ness's darkness so you end up mm-hmm. having a boss fight with that and then after that fight then you kind of I kind of I kind of like liken it to thinking I think about Dragon Ball Z when I think about this like when you like ascend from Super Saiyan to like Super Saiyan 2 it's like in that moment Ness ascended in his power so like he gains mm. all these massive stat bonus, all these massive stat bonuses because, uh, by absorbing all the power from the soundstone, and then he gains like what a whopping four hundred thousand experience points or something like that. Yeah, and like levels yeah, yeah. up like crazy. So at the end of the like at the end of that, he becomes insanely overpowered, and it's and that particular moment that Gaius decides to strike. So. You might want to fill me in on what happens after that, because like I know what happens, but I don't know what happens between that and the next part, which I really don't like talking about sometimes, because I just find it so disturbing. <laughs> well, the only thing I remember after that was uh, they have to go to the future, right, to confront Gygus? Yes. But in order to travel through time, they have to shed their physical bodies. So they uh, have their consciousnesses downloaded into robots, right? Yeah, and to me, that part always seems to be... I always seem to be really creeped out at that part because... It is creepy. That's why. I mean, you've played as children the entire game, and then it's like, oh, by the way, now we have to stick your minds into, like, metal bodies, and you're like, what? There is nothing in this game that's cliche. No, not at all. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's that's that's, for sure. that's not a normal like end to an RPG. <laughs> no. Uh, so then they go and they confront Pokey, mm-hmm. um, who has become sort of this like corrupted servant of of Gygus. Uh, and then they confront Gygus himself, which has become so powerful under his own psychic abilities that he's become. Um, sort of like uh what is it not self-aware or not like intelligent anymore like it's just like a force now almost it's almost like you know that movie akira it's like that yeah i don't want to talk about it akira is horrible <laughs> <laughs> akira is such a disturbing film yeah but you're right it is kind of like a, um the ending of akira yeah uh ugh, what a horrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> and now i have scarred red mage's mind <laughs> Yeah, I know. I remember when I first watched that movie with a friend who brought it over, and I was like, hey, let's eat breakfast while we watch it. And he was like, um, you probably don't want to eat anything while you watch this movie. I was like, okay. And then when we saw the ending, I was like, I feel like I need to throw up. Like, that was super gross. Yeah, fun fact. <laughs> I had to put on happy music after that. Afterwards? Then, yeah. yeah, that is, yeah. It's nasty. Just, yeah. But anyway. so you fight you fight Gygus in this like swirling void and it looks like a screaming face. And you know, it's like it's got all that famously cryptic cryptic dialogue like it hurts and all this stuff as you're fighting it and you're like I I'm yeah, it's very disturbing. It's Especially disturbing. for a game about children, you know, that starts in like um idyllic American suburb. Uh, and then all of a sudden it ends like, yeah, 
pretty crazily. Mm-hmm. And and Brent already described, you know, how you eventually defeat Gygus. So, okay, so apparently that final fight with Gygus and the dialogue specifically that Gygus utters, um, a lot of people know this, but it was based on the director uh, Itoi's recollections of a traumatic scene from a film that he accidentally watched by walking into the wrong theater as a kid called The Military Policeman and the Dismembered Beauty, um, which was a 1957 black-and-white Japanese horror film. Um, And, yeah, that's pretty disturbing to put that experience into your game. But I think it makes for an extremely memorable last boss fight. Quite genius. Yeah. It's a genius move. So themes in in Earthbound. Um, what are what are some themes that you guys would think about? Um, to me, when I I think of Earthbound, I think of it as sort of the death of innocence, um, in the sense of well, in all those things we talked about, you know, the children having to shed their physical bodies at the end of the game, um, and then throughout the game, Gygus is influences exerted on all these innocent individuals and they become the enemies that you fight so you have you know like all these warped inanimate objects and then human beings that act in bizarre ways um but what about you guys what do you think well like you were saying about them shedding their physical bodies what's interesting about that like you were saying uh, the loss of innocence they specifically have to shed their bodies in order to travel to the future where they will no longer be children. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Yeah. It also starts off right at the beginning of the game. You, you at that beginning, basically prologue of the game, going up to investigate the meteor, you've got your household dog with you for protection, and your mom feeds you dinner, and you sleep in your bed. But very quickly, you leave home. You're on your own. It doesn't matter that you're 8 or 10 or however old Ness is supposed to be. Mm-hmm you're out on your own it's almost like a coming of age story in a sense then not typically how you would think of coming of age stories, very not I guess. typically like you would yeah. think <laughs> yeah because again there's there's not much cliche there's not much typical about earthbound so of the characters now we, we know that the the main four playable characters ness paula jeff and Pooh. did you guys have a favorite out of those four I'd say Ness. Ness has always been, uh, always been a favorite of mine. Probably also because of Smash Bros. too. My brother makes yes. Ness all the time as one of his yeah. four staple characters. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, Ness is a very, very memorable character because he just goes through all of this, you know, all this hardship, and he's just so determined. You know, I mean, of course, we're yeah. we are, we're out of play as a playable character. You know, we're we're going through this with him we're going through this journey and experience with him but when you look at it from his perspective and you think about it you know it's like think you're up against this unstoppable like impossible being to comprehend and you're just soldiering forward just going on just going to each of the sanctuaries trying to you know recording the melodies it's you know it's empowering to see that mm-hmm. like just for, yeah. just from a kid never mind you know like at, like from it just you it just makes you think, you know, kids are capable of a lot of things. They're capable of understanding a lot. And we as adults, you know, tend to, tend to, um, uh, what is that word? Just, um, underestimate them. 
you know. So that's that's kind of how I see Ness as an underestimated an underestimated kid with psychic abilities who's out to save the world. What about you, Brent? <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice cracked. What about you, Brent? <laughs> did you did you have a favorite character playable? Uh, Ness was actually always my favorite too. The main character, oh, yeah. the one that you live through the most, the one yeah. you sh- most likely connect to the most, uh, or at least I did. Um, side note, he's also one of my top Smash characters. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, so those are playable characters. For me, probably uh, Jeff was my favorite. I loved that he could use the bottle rockets, and I loved that he was a nerd. Because uh, I got called a nerd a lot when I was a kid. I uh, didn't wear glasses back then, but there you are. Though, in a sense, even just as important as the playable characters in Earthbound are the NPCs, the non-playable characters. This game has incredible NPCs. It's almost like in modern games... This is going to make me sound like an old fart. But in modern games, it's like they've forgotten how to make memorable NPCs. In a couple of the big RPGs that I played that came out last year and a year before, uh, NPCs are just uh, shells for side quests. They're not there to be quirky or or unique or have their own personalities. Everybody's just kind of like, oh, this happened to me, so please give me this item and you'll get some experience. Uh, but this game, you've got some of the some of the names I wrote down were like Ness's dad, uh, Pokey. We already talked about Mr. Saturn, uh, Everdread, the Runaway Five, Orange Kid, and Apple Kid. Uh, the three again, the three amigos in the desert, <laughs> Pincho, Poncho, and Thomas Jefferson. There's a a buttload of oh sorry language there's a <laughs> there's a language. buttload of yeah oh no uh itunes is like hey 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 clean um a ton of of npcs in this game do you guys have any favorites and so npcs includes you know boss fights anything like that i have several i mean it's a great game <laughs> it's hard to say <laughs> there's so many uh yeah. you mentioned everdread is one of my favorites um I always liked, uh, is it Frank that you fight at the arcade? Yeah, I forgot about him. And yeah. Sharks. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then, of course, I love the happy, happy villagers, the entire cult, the blue cow. Yeah. I for- uh, totally forgot about the blue cow. <laughs> yeah. There's a guy in Moonside who has one of my favorite quotes in any game ever. He says, I have no patience when people interrupt me when I'm busy doing nothing. <laughs> I remember that dude. He looked like Mr. T, right? Yes, he was one of those yeah. guys. I pity the fool. Yeah, there's uh, some hilarious dialogue. Like the dialogue yeah. in the the cafe in Summers, mm-hmm. where it's like a bunch of hipsters just with like a rock on the stage doing nothing, and they're just talking about like how great postmodern is art <laughs> is and stuff like that. It was like this is hilarious. As a kid, I didn't get it, but playing it again as an adult. Like, this is a really funny game. No, no, I was going to say, this is a game that you have to play as an adult to really, yes. to really, really get the humor. 
Because like it's one of those Nintendo games that you know, like everybody thinks Nintendo is for kids. Exactly. You play Earthbound. Earthbound has a lot of great subtext. That's not like raunchily adult, but like adult in you have to have a level of experience personally to be able to appreciate. You know. Exactly. There's also a character in one of the hotels. I can't remember which one it is. And if you talk to them over and over and over again, they just give you money to leave them alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That'd be cool if, if it worked like that in real life. <laughs> Although, you know, like when you think about it, if you if you were an adult and you had a bunch of kids talking to you over and over and over again, you're just like, here, just take the money and go. Can you just like leave me alone? <laughs> yeah, paying kids. If I had money to pay random kids, I would probably do that. Um I remember the police officers being funny. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Buzz Buzz was definitely a funny character like you very, talked about earlier, funny. Ryan. Yeah, there's just the even the – okay, so this just popped in my head. The two sunbathers in Scarabaugh who are just lying in the desert sunbathing. And when you talk to them, they're like, people always think we're dead bodies, but we're just sunbathing. Like, why is this in this game? <laughs> like, this is taking up it's taking up data on what was at the time like I you know, especially by today's standards, like not a huge amount of, of file space. Um but yeah, this game devotes a lot of space to to stuff that's just funny for the sake of being funny, you know? Alright, so um oh we did get one question about NPCs. Uh, this is from Armando Garcia, who is actually the black humor mage. <laughs> um, there are people who think that uh, the black humor mage and myself are the same person, but I'm this should be proof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this should be proof, at least to you, Brent, that we're not. Uh, I don't know, maybe. But the question was... You could have emailed yourself this question. Oh, darn it. I could have. <laughs> You're right. I, I don't know how to prove it to you. Um, the question was, what is your favorite NPC interaction? So I know we talked a lot about NPCs right now. I'm just going to say again, the the three brothers in the desert is just great. Just their names. Doesn't even matter about anything else. If you could play this game just for that, do it. <laughs> I'm going to say the uh, just just staying in the entire Mr. Saturn village. <laughs> They're just so bizarre and so out there, but it's just so fun. <laughs> yeah, nah, that is great. You remember when they drink the coffee and they have like that weird hallucination? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's some, that's some good coffee. Is that what it's like drinking eight cups of coffee? Mm, no. No. no, not really. <laughs> no. Actually, here's a, here's a funny here's a funny thing. I have a giant mug on my desk at work. It's I yeah. think that fits about I think that's a twenty gallon mug or something like that. I have filled it wow. only twice to the brim with coffee, and those two times I swore to myself I would never do that again because a it was yeah. too much coffee and b I was just like what. <laughs> <laughs> then it feels like you hit Super Saiyan, huh? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Brent? Favorite NPC interaction? Boy, I'm not sure. I mentioned some. Uh, 
So I guess some that I didn't mention are I like a lot of the interactions you have with non-enemy NPCs in 3 when it's overrun with zombies and ghosts. Yes. There's a lot of funny stuff in there. Uh, yeah. I like it. I like at the very beginning just going from door to door to the different houses and knocking and seeing what what the different unseen NPCs from inside say when you're not allowed to go into the house. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. That was that was that was a nice touch. Instead of just you can't enter this house, you got a little dialogue. So, <clears throat> so to talk a little bit about more sort of the presentation of the game, uh, visuals and music. To touch briefly on the vis- on the visuals, how would you describe the visuals? Because I feel like that's one of the main uh, barriers for people who hadn't played this game before. Um, it's 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 different. It's, it's certainly very retro in its presentation, mm-hmm. but I mean it's very colorful. It's very bright, and mm-hmm. you know, like. It's also very fun. I'm not really sure how to, to describe the visuals, except for the fact that it's just, it's just there's so much fun, there's so much vibrancy in mm-hmm. it. You know, like I mean, sure, yeah, it's it's to me when I when I first played it, I thought, is this really a 16-bit game? It looks kind of 8-bit, right? Right? Yes. It's just like, yeah. that's It's really really bizarre. But once you get into it and you see and you kind of visual, you kind of like experience the visuals, you're just like, wow, it's like wow, this it's actually very vivid. It's like yeah. It's just wonderful yeah. to watch. <laughs> like the battle backgrounds, you know, yeah. like the psychedelic colors and lights changing in the background. Yeah. But that's a good point. It does sort of feel like an 8-bit game visually sometimes. Mm-hmm. Especially, I mean, compare this game to Final Fantasy VI, which is gorgeous mm-hmm. as a 16-bit game. And then you've got Earthbound, which is kind of uh, flat a little bit. But it has... I think I feel like it has a, a subtext of dynamism. That's uh, write that down. Subtext of dynamism for all you nerds <laughs> out there. But it's it's got a, a special. I think we would call it charm or magic, but those are very like vague terms, you know. Yeah. Um, not like subtext of dynamism isn't a vague t- term. <laughs> But <laughs> it's vague, but hipster. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, and you can't talk about this game without being hipster. It's a cult classic. Come on. What about how would you describe the visuals, Brent? Uh, I would agree with that. I think that some parts of the game do look better than other parts, though. Less not. I don't know if flat's the word, but mm-hmm. but I remember parts of like in winters, the snowy trees look really good, and yeah the metropolis of four side and the mm-hmm. weird alternate moon side. Yeah. Uh, some of that is, does look better than certain other parts of the game that don't look so great, mm-hmm. but there also are the different worlds are vastly different from each other. Once you get mm-hmm. past those first few towns. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think too, it's instantly recognizable. If you saw a screenshot of earthbound, and you've played it, you would automatically know what game it's from. If you saw a screenshot of Earthbound and you'd never played it, you wouldn't mistake it for a game you've played. See what I mean? I agree with that. Mm. Yeah, it's instantly unique. Um, In an article I was reading, they were talking about how it's even set from a a unique perspective. It's not completely uh, top-down like a lot of RPGs were. Um, and it's not, you know, 
completely sort of side-scrolling two-dimensional like say super mario brothers 3 was uh but it's it's almost at like this weird half angle it's like an isometric um, view right ye, almost not yeah quite. not quite yeah. it's like yeah like, it's kinda, like it's like in the middle almost it's like if an isometric view was flat yes <laughs> yes mm. and if and there's no perspective in the game say like you know as as things get further away they don't get smaller but it looks as if you're looking down an avenue um so yeah it's a it's a unique set of visuals especially to i mean the fight sprites are are really um unique some of the boss uh sprites like i think i'll forever be tormented mentally by the giant uh killer mole that looks super like menacing it's just like a thumb with like an angry like bloody <laughs> face on it uh, there's some there's some creeptastic stuff in here oh for um, sure yeah i think Bel- but, uh, we haven't mentioned belch yet one of the most iconic i was enemies. gonna say I was, what is his name he looks like a pile of puke or something like that right was it like, lord belch it? yes master belch. master belch lord belch or master belch yes oh yeah man. that's uh yeah, that's a nasty boss. It's basically just a big pile of puke that keeps burping. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Do not eat and watch Akira, and do not eat and play Earthbound. Especially after, especially after Sanctuary 3. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So next we're on to music, and I know that this soundtrack is so widely beloved for good reason. It is just like its visuals, just like its its uh, themes and its setting. It's very unique, especially for the context of JRPGs at the time. They were very high adventure, um, you know, symphonic in their approaches. Um, and for this subject of music, I've enlisted the ABXY Mage, who, as we've heard at the beginning of this podcast, uh, is a music fan. Uh, well, to put it very mildly, yes, <laughs> think, very mildly. Yeah, I think he's a little more than a music fan. But so, tell us about the soundtrack. Uh, well, the first thing I would say about it is it's massive. There are uh, it's hard to count how many songs <laughs> in it, how many tracks. Uh, I read, I think on Wikipedia, I read that the soundtrack takes up a third of the entire game. Whoa! Wow. That is a lot. Yeah. Considering and, how uh, big this game already is. Yeah, exactly. So uh, obviously there's a lot on there. It's a wide range. Uh, we mentioned at the Runaway 5 earlier, who uh, their songs are bluesy, jazzy, soul-type songs. Uh, then you've got Venus, who sings in Foreside or Moonside. I don't remember which one now. Uh, which it was is very foreside. jazzy. She does a jazzy type song, and then there's rock and roll inspired songs. There's really very strange rock hippie type music during some of the battles. Uh, one of the interesting things that I found out fairly recently, actually, while I was writing my Metroid review, is that the composer of the original Metroid for NES was one of the co composers for Mother 1 and 2 Earthbound. I didn't know that. Which is very interesting because I think that the Metroid soundtrack is overall fairly unlistenable. Uh, <laughs> you're talking about the original the NES original game, The original NES right? Metroid, yes. 
even inside the context of the game, it's it's not great. And I love the music from Earthbound. On genres, I know there's a lot in here. Yeah, uh, I, I read that they were uh, all of the composers were highly influenced by John Lennon uh, during their writing for the game, which is why there are s- several Beatles references in the game and little in jokes. A yellow submarine uh, in, I think, in the maze pyramid. Yes, yeah, mm. you're right. And uh, one of the NPCs at the beginning, when you knock on their door, asks you a Beatles trivia question about yesterday. I wish I could remember that part better. Even as a kid, that made me laugh. Yeah, I think that one probably went completely over my head as a kid. <laughs> it was like, uh, XXX today, do you know the answer? And then you could say yes or no. Oh, yesterday. That's, yeah. <laughs> sort of witty brilliance that this game exhibits. <laughs> Um, there's one of my favorite songs on this soundtrack, Humoresque of a Little Dog, that plays in the um, grocery stores. Um, sort of like a banjo. Yep. A uh, very upbeat banjo-y. That song always kind of reminded me of like bluegrass or um, something folky compared yep. to the rest of the The, the kind of song you'd associate with a drugstore. <laughs> yeah, sort of, right? Like a a country yeah. a country drug store, you know. You know, it's funny earlier when Ryan was talking about the game being retro, the first thing I thought was not in terms of graphics, it was in terms of setting. The towns yes. feel very kind of 1970s maybe before there was too much technology. Each town is very unique from each other. Yeah. No, it does feel like a a sort of a well idyllic was what i said earlier but trying to find another word for it um but like a picturesque sort of the vision of of what america was like in like a nostalgia for classic america mm-hmm. um that yeah but i think i would probably place it around the same time 70s especially with all the drug references again so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay uh, pausing here i don't mind me if I'm like randomly dancing at this point right now because I'm going through the entire soundtrack in my head and I'm like urge to whistle <laughs> rising. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a great soundtrack. And then so so I feel like we've touched on a lot of the the genres and influences, except for the stuff that you encounter in the battles. There is some bizarre battle music. How would you categorize some of that, Brent? <sighs> Uh, it's hard. I mean, several of the songs, especially some of the Sanctuary boss battles, they use a weird, I don't know, almost they break the beat with sound effects that almost sound like they're errors or like the, the track is skipping. Mm-hmm. But it works really well. So it's a weird, yeah. it's a weird mix of like kind of rock, sometimes prog rock, sometimes blues sometimes rock and roll sometimes dance or whatever you call that kind of music house DDM, it's called these days yeah you know one of my favorite other tracks is um when you fight the sanctuary guardian the first time and it's that giant ant in one it uh and it has that yeah and it's such a memorable beat uh i put it on um, some months ago and my children obviously never heard it before three and one uh, but they started dancing to it right away because it's such a great like toe tapping beat 
And I love that about classic um, retro game music for when they used boss music that, that got you sort of this exterior energy. You don't really get that all the time now because so much music is uh, orchestrated and, uh, and broader and uh, cinematic, I think, is the term that I want to use. Um, whereas this is um, melodic and, and very uh, – well, it loops quicker so it's more memorable, things like that. One of the battle songs is basically just Johnny Be Good. <laughs> right? Oh, that was yeah, with Frank, was wasn't that. it? Yeah, I think so. Anything else to add on the music? Uh, it has some great, even though there aren't any love scenes in Earthbound of any kind, it has some great love songs, I think. Ah. What are what are some examples? Because actually I can't, I'm with you on the there are no love scenes in the game. Well, there's a song, I think it's called Because I Love You, I think. That's one of oh. my favorite ones. Man, I've got to revisit this soundtrack more often. I don't even remember that. Maybe mm. I could uh, I could play that on my anniversary or something. <laughs> YouTube it is then. <laughs> Let's talk a couple final questions. We got um, one from uh, on Twitter, Retro Game Brews Podcast at Bots versus Noob, who asks, "Do you find it's worth owning a physical copy, or is the price too high and you'd rather emulate?" I already own a physical copy, so hard to answer (laughs) yeah i do too so i kind of i kind of get to skip that question i can take this one because i do not own a physical copy of the game and you admitted Um, earlier that you emulated and i admitted it exactly (laughs) i admitted it i admitted it but um well with the advent of you know downloadable uh downloadable titles and the uh you know the nintendo online uh uh service that's coming for the switch i mean i don't see any reason why it wouldn't be possible for someone to own a copy of the game. Sure, it may not yeah. be a physical copy, but it's a copy that you can play on the go. Right. Uh, now, and two, we just had the Super Nintendo Classic Edition, right? Mm-hmm. Which includes this game, doesn't it? I, I'm pretty sure it does. does. It? I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah. It's a Nintendo property, so right. it makes sense. Uh, let me look that up before I say something that's not actually true. Yeah. Yeah, it is on the uh, the SNES Mini. Uh, as a North American and PAL SNES exclusive Earthbound. So it's it's still fairly easy to, to find this game too. I actually, in, in anticipating answering this question, I just ran to eBay and Amazon real quick. And on eBay, the top result for Earthbound was 150 bucks. So that sets you back a bit. But on Amazon, uh, you could get it used for 1999, which... If you've never played this game, is a steal. Um, you, this game is worth a lot more than twenty bucks, in my estimation. Uh, I'd say it's worth playing no matter what. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there you go, one hundred and fifty bucks. <laughs> but yeah, I think you could still. No, if if you don't want to pay the one hundred and fifty, then you just emulate or you get the SNES Mini. Yeah. Which and those are what like sixty dollars, and you can actually find yeah. them now too. So evidently. So, yeah, I think it's definitely worth playing. Um, another question. This is from Blue Williams on Twitter at Writer's View, who asked, Earthbound remake, yeah or nah? I'm going to have to go with a no on this one. I don't know. I can't see this game being remade, to be honest. It's it's just so unique. Mm-hmm. And 
to, to put it towards like you know a modern like a modern day console even if they were just like updating the graphics it just to me it just wouldn't look right mm. it, it just looked too it looked, just looked, it looked really jarring yeah what about you brent well first i agree with that i say no i don't know how you could do it and not ruin it or make it uh, not the same in some way that would ruin it I you guess mean you guys wouldn't say. want like an edgy anime styled action rpg remake oh, puke no. <laughs> a la ff7 uh, yeah. no. uh but secondly i would also say uh i would always almost always at least in this series i'd prefer a sequel over a remake certainly yeah Agreed. but also i think here's my idea they finished developing Earthbound 64, put it on the N64 Classic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like they did with Star Fox 2, right? Yeah, that would be, right. that would be a, that'd be that'd a be very killer cool. app. You know what I want to see? Is a mother collection for the Switch. That would be really oh, that cool. That would be great. Mm, yeah. Agreed. Where you could play all three games, you know, make it a physical release and make it a big to-do and all that, Nintendo. Um but I think, I mean, we're seeing such a retro revival with so much talk of remasters and remakes and re-releases and collections and compilations, as it should be, because there's there's some great stuff to discover for the first time, personally, from the past. Um, I'm going to also say nah on this. I, th- I think that um, Earthbound is uh, charming because of its limitations. Um, I think if you try to upscale it too much, if you try to rewrite too much of it, um, I mean, we always think of, of remakes and remasters as updating the graphics. And updating the graphics, I think, would be a mistake with, uh, with Earthbound. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you did it very, very uh, subtly, very similarly. Um, I mean, well, you could already play it in HD on the on the Super NES Classic. So, hey, that's enough. That's as much touching up as I think it needs. So, mm-hmm. indeed. Uh, one thing to add here: hey, if anybody from Nintendo is listening to this podcast, Mother Three Co- Mother Collection, make it happen. Yes, the Mother Collection, please. Yeah, we everybody wants it. Yes, make it happen. Yeah, if the ghost of Iwata is listening right now. Go and haunt Nintendo until they release that, please. Because uh, that would be a- astonishing. But we mentioned, so, Mother, the series. Um, Earthbound in Japan was originally known as Mother 2, but they changed it, as we know, to Earthbound um, to uh, not cause any confusion. You know, it would come out here and people would be like, well, where's Mother 1? Well, it's Japan only. Well, why? And we're still asking why, but. Um, why do you guys think I always wondered this and um, I remember reading an answer but why do you guys think this series is called Mother at all it's sort of earthbound kind of makes sense because you're dealing with aliens and earth and you know the planet and all that stuff but why call the game and its series Mother well, if you look at the cover of the games, of the actual Mother games, the O is always Earth. So you could think that it's Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. Hmm, I was going to say that too, to be honest. Like it, I feel like the game, like the Mother games themselves, have to do 
like with a lot with nature, with a lot with like you know the the connotation of Mother Earth, in a sense. Like take for example, you're going through you're going through the game. You're going to each of the sanctuaries. All these sanctuaries are in pristine, natural locations, right? So that's kind of how I look at it as well too. It's like in, in the sense that this is this is Mother Earth we're talking about. Yes. Yeah, so, I also saw okay. a theory online that the that the game is about Ness fighting his own abortion at the beginning of his life. Cool. That's, oh, okay. <laughs> that's heavy, right there. That's why the and, and that's why the beginning of the Gygus battle is a reflection of yourself. It was actually a really interesting theory that I had never thought about before. That sounds like a fan theory. It's dark. It's it's super out there, um, it's and it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that sounds like a fan theory to me. So here's here's a couple things that uh, I think this is the the article that I'd read way back when. Um, one person suggested there's a John Lennon song called Mother. Um, now is that true? I haven't listened to too much John Lennon. Yeah, I think uh, I know there is. Okay. I can't remember what album it's on. Okay. Plastic Ono Band, maybe. Okay. And then uh, somebody else here wrote. Uh, Itoy himself has commented on this exact thing. So there are multiple reasons for why he calls the series Mother, but the primary one is the series is more motherly than any other game. Most games just say go to the mountain, search the caves in a very commanding, almost uncaring tone, whereas the Mother series is more likely to give you responses like please be careful, remember everyone loves you, and don't stand too close to me, I just farted. (laughs) <laughs> okay so in your dad also constantly reminds you to take a rest yes no it is a very it's almost like okay so the sort of something we haven't talked about too much is earthbound parodies a lot of uh rpg and video game tropes and cliches and things that happen right um so perhaps you know we talk about games now uh hand-holding you and and sort of babying you through constant tutorials or or what have you but uh maybe that was a conscious design aspect that they had back then to um make it feel like the characters are hand holding you even though the game itself doesn't technically i don't know my fan theory um but yeah this just says so in conclusion the name primarily comes from the fact that the game is lighthearted and treats you with respect and love as opposed to the mechanically cold feeling you get from other games so mm-hmm. ah, there you go um have you guys played the other mother games uh i've played some of mother three okay uh, but the computer i was playing it on ended up dying so i didn't get to finish it okay my brother and played it was kind of uh, so oh, mad I didn't play it again yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, Brent? Sorry there, Brent. I interrupted you. No, my brother played both 1 and 3 in, in its entirety, again, through emulation. But uh, he's played 3 several times. He's like, he cannot get over how good 3 is. Wow. As they tell me, right, you have to play it. Go and play it. Play it now. I'm like, God, Shane, chill. That's what I've heard, but Mother 3 introduces the rhythmic battle. I don't know how I feel about that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's one of those things that has to be experienced. Because, uh, yeah, that doesn't sound, that doesn't sound uh, up my alley as well. well I know that uh, one of our own mages, the Iron Mage, has, has played these games, um, all three of them. I think he's working through the third one right now. 
Um, but he's reviewed Earthbound Beginnings or Mother One, and uh, that is a, a he he focuses on uh, proto RPG uh, design and aspects. And um, I think he wrote a great article for you listening who haven't read it before. I'll I'll leave a link in the description. But um, so another thing I found out today, just learned about Earthbound, was I guess it had a long development time, um, five years, which. Hmm. Maybe by today's standards, isn't that long? Um, you know, a game we frequently cite, Final Fantasy XV, had a decade-long development time. Um, Final Fantasy VII, the remake, has apparently an infinite development time. Um, if we're lucky. If we're lucky. If we're lucky, <laughs> infinite. If we're, if we're not lucky, quasi-dimensional. So it'll just nev- – <laughs> like time isn't even a measuring factor. Kingdom Hearts 3, which comes out next year, supposedly, um, that that game has, what, like a 15-year development period or something ridiculous? Uh, I, think it was, I think 2 was released in 2002. <laughs> no, 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 2005, sorry. So, yeah, yeah, you're pretty much, you're pretty much on the button there. Yeah, that's, that's bizarre. That's crazy to think of a game being in development that long. So I think that long, maybe five years for that time period... But now we're sort of facing, you know, games are bigger, they're more complex, they're more expensive to produce, certainly. Um, You've got all kinds of new technologies being invented and used in video games these days, facial animations, facial mapping, body mapping, motion capture, all that stuff. So it's, I think, to be expected that games take so long to produce now. But do you think that Earthbound is an example of a game that... uh, benefited from a long development time we've sort of talked about how unique and delicately balanced earthbound is what do you guys think about that long development times and the context of earthbound uh it's hard to say i mean who knows what the game would have been like if it hadn't taken that long and considering how incredible it is i feel like it five years was the exact amount of time that it needed yeah that's how i feel too um yeah i think that well we all know what rushed games are like right um yes right i'm now i'm struggling to think of an example of a rushed game but i have one sonic the hedgehog 2006 sonic the hedgehog 2006 oh my god that was so rushed (laughs) yes it was basically unplayable wow yeah would it have been good even if it hadn't been rushed? That is a very good question. I think, <laughs> I, I th- I think, think that's the be? answer. Yeah. Hypothetically, yeah. right? I, I don't know. Wow. Um, that's, hmm. just, the, just, uh, just the fact that because most Sonic games are rushed, they just look terrible. But on the flip side, if they actually took their time with the games, it's it's unknown whether or not they would have been good. Yeah. No? That's a, yeah, hypothetical, right? So I think it's the same with Earthbound too. It's like if they rushed it, it we would probably have had a different reaction to it than if it was not rushed. You know? Right, right, right. It's like it's like the chicken and the egg. You know what came first? Right. Okay. Well, in closing, just wanted to ask you guys: What are some similar games to Earthbound? After we've talked about how unique and non-cliche it is, what are some similar games to Earthbound? that you'd recommend let's start with you ryan oh wow okay um 
since you didn't have one, I, I just want to have you on the spot because <laughs> when no. you're on the spot, answers are bitter. Uh, I think in terms of the humor, uh, just uh, in ter- yeah, in terms of the humor, I'd say Borderlands or Borderlands Two. Okay. Just because the the writing in both those games is just the humor. It's just so it's just so spot on. It's so funny, and the characters are also very very memorable too. Yeah, that's true. Well, here it comes. What are some games or a game that are that's similar to Earthbound that you would recommend? Oh, man. That is really hard to say. Um, from the little bit of Mother 3 I've played, I know it's cheating. We already talked about saying the other Mother games, but the other Mother games. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> it's not, I'll, I'll think of another one too uh, I guess in terms of it just being a great RPG with a great story for the SNES uh, you know I would recommend Final Fantasy 4, 6 Chrono Trigger oh Chrono Trigger all Chrono day Trigger. every day have you guys played Indeed. Breath of Fire? Uh, yes no I, I haven't yet okay. yeah. um, another classic set of RPGs but definitely Earthbound has a better translation than Breath of Fire 2 telling you right now um <laughs> and my recommended game is undertale is that the game you were thinking i was gonna say yeah of course. Oh, okay good uh undertale is is earthbound 2.0 so far as i'm concerned have you guys played that not yet no but that's why i told you we needed to do the earthbound episode first right 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 so well here we are we did it first and eventually we'll do undertale i guess um Undertale is also a very uh, lo-fi kind of a game. Um, very um, in that in the same sense of the visuals of Earthbound, um, not too detailed and, and borderline eight-bit, sixteen-bit, um, but a very hilarious game, very funny game. Um, instantly, I thought of Earthbound from its dialogue. Its dialogue always is subverting expectations right from the very beginning when you talk to the flower. Um, You guys would really... I know you guys are fans of Earthbound. You would really adore Undertale. Um, It's one of the the great games that I played last year. Um, It's definitely on my musket list. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now, like, Ryan, now. Get off the podcast. Go right now. No, just kidding. (laughs) All right, I'm putting putting down the phones. I'm off. I'm going. Well, thank you guys for joining me today on this episode. I appreciate it. Again, I know it was last minute. Um, and, and so thanks very much. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So much fun. All right. Thanks again. Yes, we should definitely do this again. And thank you for listening to another episode. See you next time. I hope you enjoyed that episode of MageCast as much as I did. If so, please follow, subscribe, share, and leave us a review to help us reach a wider audience. If you enjoy our work, please consider supporting us and our vision for the future of gaming conversations through patreon.com forward slash the well-read mage. Special thanks to my magely colleague Brent Mead for sound editing. The mage cast theme song post atmosphere was composed by fellow mage Russell Gordon and can be found on his YouTube and SoundCloud. This episode may be over, but the legend will live on passed down by the dwarves, the elves and the dragons. Dragons.